0: I mean, I think televangelists come to mind pretty quickly for me and they appear to be about the money and and it, it seems pretty shady. Or we see it with prosperity gospel teachers who focus on God's blessings and God is all about your comfort. And so, because a message of judgment doesn't go so well, they try to find other avenues to make it a little bit easier to accept. But, it can happen to normal everyday Christians too where we we can try to maybe use some methods that aren't as as honoring to God or that don't fit with scripture. You see, we live in a in a culture that's all about tolerance yet seems to really struggle with tolerating a message that says Jesus is the only way. So we might soften what we say to make it less offensive, to make it more acceptable. Maybe we focus on the message of Man, God loves you so much and he accepts you. But we fail to talk about the reality of judgment and hell. And we don't talk about how he truly deserves to be honored and followed. And we need to turn from sin. Maybe to make the gospel easier for people to accept, we actually subtly adjust the gospel. Rather than focusing on our condition before a holy God and needing to be made right... In relationship with him, we focus on, on the person. And, oh, God can make your life so much better. And God does make our life better. But, but usually we're not talking about how God makes our life better in a biblical sense. We talk about the practical, physical sense. Oh, Jesus can make your marriage better. Jesus can help you with your kids. And it's all about the blessings of God upon your life rather than being restored in relationship to the God who created you. So this morning we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and Paul is going to tell us how we can endure with integrity in this ministry of sharing the gospel. little background. So Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and this is a church that he's had a long relationship with. He loves this church deeply. And there are some in Corinth who are rejecting Paul. They're rejecting the message that Paul is bringing. And so they're trying to discredit Paul by assaulting his character and questioning the message that he's preaching. And so in 2 Corinthians, Paul is trying to protect the believers by defending his character, defending the legitimacy of his apostleship, which will ultimately then protect the gospel message being received as truth. So let's look at the passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. The Word of God. Paul says... of Jesus Christ. Amen. You know what? Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask Him to open our eyes to see the truth that He has for us. Father, um, it's been a crazy morning. And Lord, I'm tempted to be distracted. I'm tempted to look at the time, all these different things. But God, you, You have a message for us from Your very Word. So Lord, I pray that You would Guard our hearts, open our minds, open our eyes to see the truth that you have. Father, I pray that you would fill me with your spirit and that you would communicate your truth. God, we commit all this to you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So in order to endure in gospel mission, first, the scriptures say that we, re- we have to realize that we are all called by the mercy of God to be ministers of the glorious gospel. We are all called by the mercy of God. Do you realize that this ministry is for all of us? Look back at the passage. I actually highlighted, therefore having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced. This is Paul talking, but he's saying, no, this is all of us. We have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. It goes on and on. Even if our gospel... Do you realize... The gospel mission is not just for the pastors. It's not just for care group leaders. It's not just for ministry team leaders. It's not just for those who have certain gifts or those who have special training. It's for all of us. It's for all of us. And he says in verse 1, he says, Therefore having this ministry by the mercy of God. So what is this ministry that we all have? Well, he's pointing back to chapter 3. And in chapter 3, he says, we've been made ministers, those who serve, those who bring the good news of a new covenant. He said, there was an old covenant, the law, that was given by God and that was beautiful, that was glorious. It came from God. But the problem with that one is it couldn't give life. It only showed how we never measured up. And so, it actually brought death. Yet it was still glorious. He says, but now we together are ministers of a new covenant. One that's of the spirit that gives life. And Paul in chapter three says, if the old one that would bring death was glorious because it came from God and it showed us our relationship with God, how much glorious how much more surpassingly, exceedingly glorious is this new covenant that comes through Christ Jesus that brings life. And he says, and we get to be the ministers of that. Do you know, one of the things that hurts us though in gospel ministry, gospel mission, is that the glorious new covenant becomes so dull. It just becomes this list of truths that I can rattle off to you. Oh, yeah, 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 the gospel. Jesus lived the perfect life. He died on a cross. How can that become dull? It's glorious. It's about the beauty and majesty of Jesus. And how incredible that we get to bring that message to each other and to the world around us. A message of great news and abundant life. It can't become dull if we're going to endure. We have to be reminded of the beauty of Jesus and what he has truly accomplished in giving us a life that we never deserved. Because he fulfilled that law perfectly for us. So we, together, have the ministry of a glorious new covenant. And it's not just for Sundays. It's at home. It's at school. It's at work. It's wherever we go. If you're going to endure in gospel mission, you're going to have to see yourself as a minister of the gospel. It's really easy to come up with a long list of, though, like... Okay, I, I get that. But, Andrew, I mean, if you look at my life, and I've got all these struggles, and I don't have that much knowledge and understanding, I'm not a good enough Christian. I don't know enough... Second Corinthians chapter three, verse four through six says this. We have that we can project. Excellent. Says, such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything coming from us. Our sufficiency is from God, who made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. You're right. You're not sufficient. But he has made you sufficient to bring this message. So every one of us has been called and we didn't get the ministry because we earned it or we achieved some level of of special spirituality. We've been called to the ministry by the very mercies of God. Think about Paul was going around persecuting the church. He was having Christians killed. But by the mercy of God, God Breaks in. Jesus stops Paul on a road to Damascus, and a bright light shines, and Jesus speaks directly to Paul, and God opens the eyes of Paul to see the true God, to see the beauty of Jesus, to see that the way he was responding was not the truth. By the mercy of God, Paul became a minister of the gospel. What mercy! Paul didn't deserve God's favor. He didn't deserve God's forgiveness, yet God, rich in mercy, saved Paul. And that mercy called Paul to bring the good news to the world around him. I love the Tyndale commentary says this. Paul was very aware that he had this ministry only by the mercy of God. He never forgot that he was formerly a persecutor of the church. The awareness of the great privilege caused Paul not to lose heart. Despite the difficulties and the suffering he experienced as he carried out this ministry. Let me ask you, are you aware of the mercy of God that broke into your life? To open your eyes to see your need for Jesus, to see the beauty of Jesus. When you didn't deserve it, when you weren't looking for it. God was rich in mercy and saved you. He saved me. And it's the same mercy that now calls us to serve others by sharing the truth of Jesus. And just like Paul, the grace and compassion and the mercy that God showed us in saving us is the same grace and compassion and mercy that's going to help us to overcome. And that's why we don't lose heart. That's why we don't give up. How do we endure in gospel mission? We realize that that we've been called by the mercy of God to be ministers of the most incredible, beautiful message ever given. That's how we endure. But we also endure in gospel mission when we refuse to distort the word of God and we refuse to distort the gospel message. Let's look at verse 2. Paul says, We have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience and the sight of God. So remember, I was telling you that Paul is writing to the church of Corinth because he's been accused of using deceitful methods and behaviors to gather a following. And they've even accused Paul of preaching the gospel for his own gain. And so he is addressing these accusations. He's defending himself appropriately. Now, I love the New Living Translation translates verse 2 this way. It says, We reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God and all who are honest know this. You see, Paul's life matched what he preached. And the way that he brought the gospel and the methods he used to share the gospel were never dishonest. They were never deceptive. And he never, ever manipulated the message that God gave him to share. He says, we refuse to practice cunning. Later on in chapter um, 11 of 2 Corinthians, he actually references cunning again. He says, that snake, that devil back in Genesis... He was more cunning than any other animal. And he says, he, he actually, he was sneaky because he took truths. And then he, he picked which ones that he wanted. And he distorted the truth to fit what he wanted to say. And Paul says, no, we refuse to do that. And when it says that we refuse to tamper with God's word, in this culture, the word tamper would be associated with, with people who would water down the wine Oh, yeah, this is the good one. And they'd water it down and they'd sell it. Paul says, no way. We will not twist God's words and we will not water down the message of the gospel. Again, you know, I think about televangelists who, who distort the message of the Bible for selfish gain. Send in money and a prayer request and we'll pray for you. And if you send in enough money, we'll give you a prayer hanky that's like real special and then you can keep that and it'll bless you. It's like, What? Where in the Bible does it talk about that? But you know, churches can be tempted towards selfish gain also. Becoming a man-made institution rather than about true ministry. About selling a a message and putting on a great performance to make sure that the, the seats are filled and the money's coming in. And people do tamper with God's word. I debated about using names, but it's like, we have to be honest about this. There are guys like Joel Olstein and Rob Bell who have abandoned orthodox teaching. And they pick and choose what they talk about. And they distort and they even abandon the gospel. Joel Olstein writes about your best life now. And I found an article. This is what he says. He says, he doesn't believe he's cheating people by neglecting to preach on repentance or on eternal punishment because people feel guilty enough. And he says, it's just a different approach. That's not the gospel. That's not the truth. To not warn somebody about the realities of hell and the the judgment that they could be facing because, well, it's just a different approach. That's not a different approach. That's from the pits of hell. Rob Bell, he writes a book called Love Wins. He says, well, because Jesus, he believes Jesus died on the cross, and because Jesus died on the cross, everybody will be saved. Where do you see that in the Bible? What about the warnings? That is not truth. It's tampering with God's word. It's distorting the truth. But I I get it. When people reject the gospel, we are tempted to find ways to make it more palatable. And it can lead us to inadvertently edit or alter or adapt the gospel. I mean, for some, the gospel is so foolish. Why do you need this? And so what we try to do is we appeal to the emotional or the experiential aspects of a relationship with Jesus rather than talking about the historical truths and reality. Or we say, oh, Jesus gave me such meaning and purpose in life. And that's true. Jesus gives me meaning and purpose in life. But that's not the gospel. And if that's all we give people, then what we're doing is we're making the gospel about ourselves rather than about him. Or we say, you know, Jesus can heal all your past hurts and your pains. And all we focus on is about ministering to ourselves and not that we're called to serve him. Or have you ever had somebody and they share their testimony, Jesus came into my life and, and man, just life got so much better. Like, well, I'd love for that to happen because man, when I asked Jesus into my life, it changed everything. And it didn't get easier. It was by far life abundant, but not easy. I know a lot of people who put their faith and trust in Jesus and they get rejected by family and friends. And from a, a real practical level, life gets harder, not easier. You know, or rather than speaking to the desperate need that we have for our hearts to be changed, we make the gospel about how our actions change. Man, I trusted Jesus and I stopped lying and I stopped cheating and I stopped doing drugs and I stopped all these things. Wonderful blessings. Wonderful blessings. When God transforms our hearts. But trusting Jesus for the salvation of our sins is about being reconciled to God. And it's about Jesus changing my heart. See, Jesus isn't about making better people, He's about making brand new people. And if we focus on the exterior actions, we have distorted the gospel. This other one, people say, when they present the gospel, do you want to go to hell? Okay, well, most people would say no. (laughs) I mean, some people would say, I don't care. I don't believe in it. But it's like, well, do you want to go to heaven or hell? Well, most people are going to say, I want to go to heaven, right? But if we make sharing Jesus with people all about, well, do you want to go to heaven? And the focus is because it's going to be this selfish utopia where life is beautiful and grand. And it has nothing to do about being in relationship with Jesus. Then we're not giving them the true gospel. We're making it about ourselves. Now granted, yes, it's not a bad question to say about heaven and hell. It's legit. Jesus says we shouldn't fear the one who can kill the body, but fear the one who, after killing the body, can send the soul to hell. But, again, if we're not helping people see the beauty of Jesus and being made right in relationship with Jesus, we're not bringing them the truth. Now for others, it's not that it's foolish. It's actually a very offensive message. That to say... Hey, I just want to let you know that by nature, just who you are because you were born into this world, uh, you're under the wrath of God and you need to be made right with God. And there's only one way that that can happen. And it only comes through Jesus. That's pretty offensive. And so we try to soften it. We try to speak in generalities. Oh, you believe in God, you believe in Jesus. Awesome. But we never unpack what that really means. Or we water down the gospel like we mentioned earlier. And it's It's all about God's love and acceptance, but there's never a call to repent and to turn from sin. Or we we encourage people to make a decision and to ask Jesus into their heart, but we don't call them to be a disciple, a follower who lets Jesus shape every part of their lives where Jesus reigns and rules as king of their life. Listen, if because it's hard to bring the gospel and realize that people are going to reject it, We can try to make the gospel message relevant or appealing or easier to accept. But we have to be so careful because there's the potential that we could lose the gospel. Now, we should consider the context that we are in and how to best bridge the truth and how to share the truth of Jesus, this new covenant. And we want to be sensitive to those who don't know Jesus. We don't want to be confusing. We don't want to use language that makes it harder than it needs to be. But we don't want to water down the truth. You see, we endure in gospel mission by holding on to the truth of Jesus, to the true gospel, where we let the gospel affect our lives and we refuse to distort the gospel. We also can hang in there and endure in gospel mission when we realize there's the work of the devil. Let's look at verses three through four says, Even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on these verses. Um, Back in June, Albert preached a wonderful message on those verses. And I would encourage you to go back online to listen to those. But Paul explains that you can faithfully share the gospel. You can paint a beautiful picture and the truth and reality of Jesus, and it will still be rejected. And you're like, well, what would keep people from following? Well, there's a spiritual war going on. And Paul says that that there's the reality that people reject because Satan blinds people from seeing the truth that's right in front of them. It's like, well, wait a minute, that's so hard. And i this hits really close to home because I have some friends who it's like, man, why wouldn't you want to follow Jesus? Like, what is it about him? I, I get that you have to turn away from some things, but my goodness, like, and it's just, it's just they're blind. But then I'm like, well, man, God, what, what hope is there in that? Well, first off, it, it can feel kind of wrong. It's like, well, if they're blinded, then that's not fair. But we have to go to the starting point. Remember, no one seeks after God. Not one. It's not like Satan snuck in and is like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna mess this one up and hide No. Every single one of us chose to reject God. Individually we have already chosen, apart from God opening our eyes to see the glory of Jesus, we've rejected him. Satan just comes in and makes it even harder. When people reject Jesus, we can really be tempted to think it's because we failed. And maybe we did. Maybe there's ways that we could have done a better job. Maybe we didn't communicate clear enough. Or we should have responded differently. But when we realize that there is a spiritual reason, a spiritual blindness, it can take the pressure off of us. It protects us from pressing and adapting and changing the gospel. Trying to get somebody to make a decision or response. J.R. Tolkien and The Hobbit. There's a few people here that are going to enjoy this one. It does not do to leave a live dragon out of your calculations if you live near him. (laughs) There's a live dragon that we have to take into account. But then, well, if we've rejected the gospel on our own and Satan blinds us, to see the truth of Jesus, then what hope is there? Paul says, most importantly, the way that you're going to endure and continue in gospel mission without giving up or losing heart is when you rest in the power of God as you proclaim the true message of the gospel. Look at verses 5 through 6. This looks hopeless, but but what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. With ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God and the face of Jesus Christ. God still shines light. He spoke light into darkness at the beginning of creation, and He speaks light into our lives now. Paul tells us that our tasks as a servant of Jesus is to announce that Jesus is Lord. And the rest is up to God. And God can open blind eyes to see the light of the glory of Christ in the gospel. God opens people's eyes to see the true beauty of Jesus. To see that Jesus is truly the only Savior and is a treasure of greater value than anything else. And only then will someone respond to the gospel message. So we can respond in the gospel mission when we know that it doesn't depend on us. It depends on God, who in love draws men and women to himself and brings about spiritual life and people who were spiritually dead. You see, someone's response to the gospel of Jesus Christ never is dependent upon us. We play a role. We have a responsibility. And it's a joy to be partners with God in that. We should see it as an honor. But our ultimate hope is always in the God who saves. And the God who shines light into darkness. And the God who, who all of a sudden people say, whoa, I've heard about Jesus before, but suddenly I realize, wow, Jesus really is the true Savior. He is the way. He is the life. I, I want to give him everything. I'm going to look to him for the forgiveness of my sins because he truly did step down out of heaven and give his life for, as a sacrifice for me. And I do believe that he rose from the dead and that he now reigns victoriously. And for anyone who looks to him, their sins are forgiven. So often lately, I'm just like, I find it so beautiful and glorious. And I'm like, Lord, but why isn't it beautiful and glorious to this person? The reality is, is because they're spiritually still dead. But God has given us this incredible privilege and honor because we are ministers of the most incredible new covenant. Then we get the opportunity to share that with others. And so we're going to faithfully continue to share the gospel because we have great hope and confidence that our God loves to open blind eyes and our God is continuing to shine light into darkness giving the light of the knowledge of the glory of God that's in the face of Jesus. So Living Hope Community Church, we're, we're a smaller church. We're not a perfect church. We've got our issues. but I tell you what, we have a faithful God who continues to do amazing things in and through us. And we're going to hold on to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're, we're not going to tamper with it and we're not going to use deceitful, underhanded ways, but we're going to continue to proclaim that Jesus is the true Savior. We're going to pray. So Aaron Huey came up and said, Andrew, talk about another crazy morning. He said, we actually have to go because we're supposed to leave worship down at Covenant Life. <laughs> so we don't have a worship leader to close us out. Um, but that's okay. Because we, we have the most amazing worship leader. And uh, so we're just going to pray, and then, um, and then we'll dismiss. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for gathering us today. Father, there is all kinds of crazy stuff happening with setup and sound and technology. But Father, it's never been about those things. And our hope has never been in those things. Our hope has always been in you. And God, the only reason we love you is because you first loved us. And Father, we are humbled that you would choose us. We did not deserve for you To show us how beautiful Jesus is. We did not deserve for you. To open our eyes. And breathe spiritual life into us. And give us faith. So that our hope and trust would be in Jesus. And God is out of that mercy. Because of that. With joy. We long to go and bring this truth to one another. And to everyone around us. God oh please protect us. It is so hard. And when people reject the message, God, please protect us from not changing that message. But let us live it out and let us be faithful to continue to share it. And Father, we pray, we pray that you would allow us to see those who come to spiritual life as a result of us just being a faithful servant, not proclaiming us, but proclaiming Jesus as Lord. And God, thank you so much for the way that you have been faithful to this church. God, thank you for, for making sure that the, the word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ have been such cornerstones in this church. Father, I pray that that would always be the case. Please protect us from drifting ever. Because we long to glorify you and honor you. Father, thank you so much for this time. Father, I pray that you would strengthen us for the mission that you've given us to go as sent ones into this world. Father, that we would not lose heart because of the hope we have in Jesus Christ. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. It has been good to be together this morning. Go as sent ones with the hope of Jesus Christ.